Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Build Value by Choice. I'm your host, Nana Bonsu. Each week, we bring on a guest, an authority in the field to talk about various things that are of interest to business owners. Our belief on this show is that business is very important for the progress of humanity. And in order to do that, we try to bring on guests and to talk about topics that help enhance and catalyze business growth. This week is no different. We are going to be exploring in this case, technology procurement procurement and vendor selection from an inspirational perspective with our guest today. Now, we're going to hear his story, some of the key strategies and that he has for uh, business success, and unlock some of the secrets that help contribute to financial performance of companies through smart, astute technology procurement and vendor selection. Today's guest is Gregory Herzl-Klein. He leads Connective Tech, a fractional chief technology organization specializing in information technology procurement and vendor selection. With over 100 vetted and approved technology experts and companies, Connective Tech carefully matches the best fit through vendors to the companies they help. Connective Tech offers a complimentary service to vet technology companies and match them with organizations. In this episode, we are going to be talking to Greg about some of the top criteria for businesses to consider when you're choosing a technology vendor. Welcome to Build Value by Choice, Gregory. Thank you for having me. It's good to be here. Wonderful. I like your background. Thank you. <laughs> yep. For those that are that are that may be listening, um, as opposed to watching, Greg has this nice tall building behind him, and he was joking uh, before the show about how, you know, Spider-Man could be flying across <laughs> behind him. But anyway, um, so that's that was fun. Um, so, Greg, um, how did you come up with the idea for Connective Tech, and just what was your motivation behind starting this company? Yeah, good, good question. Um, before Connective Tech, I was actually uh, in healthcare administration. So, in the healthcare industry, um, I was that guy who managed a larger company um, and was kind of all over the country uh, being that break fix guy. So they would say, Hey, this branch is broken, fix it. And I did that for about 10 years and, and it was going great. And I loved what I did. And it was the reason I left was I ended, I ended up calling my boss out on committing Medicaid fraud. And he said to me, well, Greg, everybody's doing it this way. Nobody's ever going to check and we're not going to change. And I was dumbfounded by his answer, but I turned around I packed up a box and I told him I quit and I walked out that day. You see, I'm an avid believer that a business and an individual can be defined by the people they're surrounded with. And so that means employees, that means you, who you're paying on your outsource. And so there was the foundation of connective tech is that one, I've, I've ran, I've owned and started businesses. And uh, I understand the amount, uh, the, the benefit um, that from surrounding yourself yourself and your business with the right people, how much that can excel. And so what we've created here is something like where the Fortune 500 to the Fortune 5 businesses all have dedicated departments towards vendor selection and IT procurement, right? And so we've taken an enterprise-level solution and applied the concept to now all businesses, um, in order to effectively take their business utilizing technology to the next level. And to really be effective at this, what we've done is we're always in the process of vetting technology companies. And that's to create an approved vendor list. And so we're basically assessing the maturity of an organization. And so when it comes time for a client needing help, getting matched with the right resources like cybersecurity, website development, software development, and so much more, 
Um, all we have to, we 75% of the process is actually already done. And now we're going back to that list, vetting them again, and then playing matchmaker, who's going to be going that. So we're bringing multiple options. We'll walk them through the quoting process. Um, I, I'm an also, uh, I'm a serial networker. Uh, as well. And uh, so I get to combine my love of people, my love of business, my love of technology. And we kind of mesh that into uh, a nice world that's created connective tech. Well, that's, that's, you know, that's interesting. So, so, so are you trying to make the capability that fortune 500 and fortune 50 companies um, have when it comes to procurement available to uh, small to medium sized companies? Or when you say you make it available to all companies, is, is that all the companies. idea leveling the playing field or is that still exactly. for uh, bigger companies? Uh, from the one person shop okay. to, the, to the thousands of people in an organization, everybody needs the same shop. And honestly, a baker is going to open a baking business, right? Because they mm -hmm. love baking. Right. They're not going to know anything about merchant services, cybersecurity, point of sales, things like that, right? Um, and so you kind of need to love, and there's too much technology out there uh, for one person to be an expert everywhere. I'm a big believer in, 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 in there, you really need an expert in each line of technology in order to be effective. Um, and there's unfortunately just more bad than good out there these days. Um, so you, you can't really uh, you, you know the difference. Uh, if you're not in the industry, you don't speak the language and things like that. And people tend to look at technology as as another language, unfortunately, and they shy away from it. Um, they don't know who to trust. And a lot of this comes down to ethics and trusts um, and the people behind the technology. Um, and so that's that's really, really the the, the, the mentality behind it. So how do you differentiate yourself from other biz tech uh, company, consulting companies, like, for instance, asset management, where so some people, they take a look at the some of the assets that, say, a business has and see if they can negotiate some licensing fees or what have you. How is what you do different from that? Or, or is it? The same? Yeah, yeah, great question. So really keep in mind, after, after all these examples that we've said, really the only service that we provide here is being a vendor selection specialist. We're basically a high-end business technology advisor um, that assesses the maturity of tech organizations and plays matchmaker. And so, you know, we get to pin companies against each other and understand what are the 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 little things that they do differently. Um, website development, for example, um, it, it is a huge thing. There's thousands upon thousands of website development companies. Um, and everybody thinks that once you've seen one, you've seen all of them. But the reality is, is for example, uh, some website developing companies only work with WordPress and don't do Python or React um, and a lot of different other coding languages. Um, some might provide a, a roadmap of your website. Some might do wireframes. Some might do design. Some might do uh, a copywriting and not. And there, so everybody provides a little bit of a different scenario. Some will outsource things. Some will do it in-house. And so that's really our differentiator is that I don't claim to be an expert in all these areas. My job is to bring experts in in each one of these areas to provide the right solutions, to provide those recommendations. Our job is to only make sure that the company does what it says they do exactly. So it's one thing to talk to a salesperson or the owner of a company and say, you know, it, you know, to have the shininess behind what they're describing. But once you start talking to the people, uh, learning their process, 
uh, figuring out how to partner, that really kind of opens up things a little bit and figuring out our vetting process takes a minimum of five to 10 hours per company. And that's when we the dating starts to happen. The testing starts to happen with each company. So most consulting companies are not going to, they don't have an evaluation process of the referrals and recommendations they're going to give you. Um, our only job is to bring companies in to provide businesses with solutions. And that's the big differentiator there. We're like a doctor, right? We're going to, we're going to diagnose, we're going to uh, educate, and then we're going to bring in the right specialist to perform the surgery, if, you, if that makes sense, you know, and that's the differentiator there. So, so um, a lot of times when you play a matchmaker, it's about who pays, right? So, um, do you get paid by the companies or by the vendors? I'm trying to see if you're an advocate for the industry, for the vendors, or are you an advocate for the for the buyers? Great. And when should they be thinking of you? Because, for instance, if a business owner, especially on the small end, those were like less than you know 25 employees, for instance, right? They they may not be techie, right? Like you said, like a baker is just focused on on, on um, yeah, baking business, but the the business becomes bigger than the, just baking, right? That's right. why you need technology and among other things. Why should they or when should they even be thinking about? Because it may not hit them. Like, I need some kind of cloud and I need some kind of a database. I can no longer put my information in just uh, in QuickBooks or you know spreadsheets. Uh, when do they start elevating their thinking to say, okay, I need some bigger technologies and I need somebody to help me out and I need somebody yeah. who's going to be dispassionate, objective about this and make sure that I'm not purchasing more than I need to and I'm purchasing the right thing that's good for us. Good, yeah. So there's two questions in there. Uh, the, the second question was, when do we reach out to Greg and you know, when is he going to be a good resource? Um, and then two, financially, how does this work um, for everyone, right? So mm-hmm. to answer that first question um, is that this matchmaking and this um, uh, vetting of companies is actually a complementary service. Um, we're incentivized to make good matches or else we don't get paid because ultimately we get paid by the tech organizations we bring in. Now, uh, that being said, the other layer to that is that our... Um, uh, financial arrangements with these companies are equal across the board. And so that way we're not incentivized by one company over another. Um, and I certainly know the value of introductions. And so if I'm not making a good introduction and I don't bring in way smarter people than I am, um, and good at what they do, I don't, I don't, my business is going to fail. Um, and I'm not going to add value to the people around me. So I'm going to be an advocate for the client. And to make sure that the tech organization is providing what a good service to them. Okay, so that's to answer your first question. Um, the second question typically comes. Typically, companies come to us in a couple different forms or fashions. One, uh, most commonly, uh, when there's um, when they think they need to hire an internal uh, IT person to help make some IT decisions. Um, that's very costly. That's going to be anywhere between sixty thousand and probably two hundred and fifty thousand, depending upon how big the company is. For one person, right? Well, you can get twice at minimum three or four times of that just by engaging with connective tech, right? So we're kind of that CIO level mentality to be understanding at high level what's going on with your IT infrastructure. And then we can bring you individual experts to execute on all the IT things 
save you a ton of money, do it right the first time and, and making sure you don't have to hire that internal person until you get to the next level. So that's one, that's one, that's one area. So when they think they need an IT person to help make some IT decisions, that's a good time to maybe say, let's talk with connective tech first. Second, usually there's a specific need when I talk to companies. They'll come to me and say, Greg, I need a website. Um, I need to develop software. I need to develop more reports. Um, I have cybersecurity issues. I need tech support, things like that. Um, or uh, we have tons more resources. Sometimes we talk about clean energy, right? So usually there's a very specific need and they say, hey, I have to now go find a company via what? Google, uh, RFIs, uh, introductions, referrals. And when that process has started in a company, connective tech should be the first call. Because um, those people internally, unless you're one of those Fortune 500 up to the Fortune 5, are not going to have dedicated people that are there advocating for you to make sure that the vendor selection process goes right. And 75% of the time, on average, it goes wrong and you have to redo the process and spend more money. So we're trying to avoid that for companies the first time around. Oh, that's awesome. Thanks. Uh, thanks for that uh, expansive explanation. What are the top five factors that businesses should consider when they're in the process of choosing a technology vendor? Great question. So uh, first and foremost, uh, one of the major reasons, this is, might come to a shock to some listeners, that uh, one of the reasons that technology fails when implementing it, let's say you're um, implementing a CRM, right, to your company, you, it really comes back to your operations. You have to have, you have to know your operations and have good operations because your technology is going to make you more operationally efficient, but if you don't have good operations or it's very disjointed, very disconnected, you're going to have a very difficult time implementing your technology. Second, when vetting your technology companies, make sure you got the right, you're going to have the right fit tech wise, right? If you're building a website uh, and you, let's say you, uh, you have a current website and you need to integrate that to your CRM for some reason. You, and your website is a WordPress website, very common, right? Make sure you have the right WordPress developer doing that. Um, lots of different plugins with that and lots of different factors can consider. So you need the right technology that connects with other technology that fits your operations, but also budgets are really con big consideration. Um, a company with doing a million dollars in sales, for example, may not be quite ready for Salesforce. Maybe they are. Uh, maybe that's the only technology to do it, but that's a, a very expensive CRM slash ERP these days, right? Um, so right now we got operations, we got technology, we got uh, budget. Uh, the other thing to consider that people don't is uh, personality. Um, when you talk to the company, the tech company that you're about to hire, make sure you guys are on the same level. Uh, it doesn't mean you need to be best friends, but this kind of ties into number five, ethics. Um, you don't want to partner with somebody that is ethically or a company that's gonna you're you're afraid of um, money, technology, and trust are a very big factor. So just to review that, make sure you're partnering with the right technology, the right budget, the right personalities, and you have the right operations, and you're partnering with ethical people. Huge factors to really have a formula of success. Well, that's a that, that's a, a nicely put. 
Yeah, and, and one of the things I'm glad you put the uh, operations first because a lot of times uh, some issues that may be ascribed to technology may not necessarily be a technology issue. It may just be that you got to kind of fix your business process first. You know, you got to right. lean it out. Or well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, now, does this uh, do these factors differ from one industry to the next, or or, or are there like any? Any particular additional things you consider depending on what industry that you're in, whether it's manufacturing or service oriented? Yeah, it's a great question. I, I will, so I'll say this: one very clear and obvious thing that I've learned in this in this journey is that one, every business, uh, regardless of the industry that they're in, is unique. Okay, so no one manufacturing company is the same. No one uh, healthcare institute is the same, right? And every technology company is different, right? Um, just like to that website development answer is that nobody really thinks about that. You know, think about um, all the different healthcare companies out there, all the different distribution companies out there. Well, they have a different service line. They have a different operations, a different process, a different different software that they use. You know, there's so many factors that make things so, in, in, so independent. So yes, it's going to be slightly different in industry to industry, but universally, no one business does things exactly the same as the others. And that's how one business grows because they're more operationally efficient, more mature than the other organization. That's how businesses grow. They're utilizing technology more efficiently. So I would take that a step further and just say every business is unique regardless of industry. Right. Uh, can you give example an example of a you know a poor vendor you know, choice that a company made and what they could have done differently? Great question. So cybersecurity is maybe the 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 busiest factor, the busiest line that we're helping companies with right now. Um, cybersecurity is not an area where companies should be. Um, uh, cutting budget on, right? It doesn't have to be expensive, um, but there are other areas you can save money and it should not be in your cybersecurity. So for example, um, we have a very large healthcare institute that we're helping with their cybersecurity. And we introduced them to three different firms that all kind of met their criteria and specialize in working with very highly sensitive data. But they actually found uh, another health uh, um, uh, cybersecurity organization outside of my health and um, decided to go with them because they came in cheaper uh, than all three that I that I gave to them. I uh, heard them. I heard from them about six months later and they said to me, Greg, um, we are in a ransomware situation. And the um, uh, hacker was asking for $1.2 million mm. to get to allow them access to their own medical record system. And that's what they got a hold of. And so, um, and so, so it came back once we sent a forensics team in there that um, the company that they chose really did not lock things up as they should and provide the right recommendations. Um, and that's why they came in cheaper because uh, they had a very unique model and kind of gave that block look, right? Um, a more common example, um, I hear so many companies trying to implement a CRM or ERP into their company and it fail. 
And it fails because um, there, there's a whole movement now, right? So uh, if, if the listeners haven't heard of what a SA- what SaaS is, it's software as a service, right? And it means uh, uh, any so- piece of software is a SaaS product, right? So take a CRM. Um, there's a whole movement now. By the way, CRM is well, customer relationship management, right? And oh, thank you. Exactly, right. Planning. Yeah. Most commonly using like your sales right. <laughs> and things like that, right? Right. And so um, there's a whole movement saying, hey, software companies, you go be a software, leave the as a service portion to uh, other companies. And so there's a movement now. So co- there's companies being created to customize software, to optimize it, to train employees, to look at their operations and match and mirror how to customize that that they are because there's so many features. I can go into 20 different companies that are using uh, HubSpot or Zoho and they all look different, their CRM, right? And so companies are failing in the implementation of their software because they don't time to take it to customize it. They're not contracting companies that with expertise that will find time to look at what their operations are, train their employees, optimize their program, uh, and, and teach what's going on and how to imp- uh, implement that into their business. And so I see that fail a lot just because they're trying to save a buck. And you know what happens? They spend more money than they were originally quoted because they have to redo everything uh, again. So spending a little more in the first time actually may save you more money in the long run, um, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, I mean, normally, like, uh, and I've been part of these kind of tech uh, procurement negotiations. And one of the things I learned from a uh, a procurement uh, leader once was you got to look at the total cost of ownership over five years, not just the initial startup cost or even the first year where you just calculate the initial licensing cost plus maybe the project fee and you know the labor cost. But the totality over, like, say, for instance, five years to do a real good comparison because the the updates, you know, the the maintenance, the support, all of that just needs to be factored in before you can get a good idea of how much it's really going to cost. So true. Got to look at the future to figure out what you're going to do today. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, how do companies ensure that they're getting the best value for their technology, uh, you know, solutions? You know, I would say um, the the biggest fail that I see, and is for and, and to answer your question is where companies go wrong is that they're relying on Google reviews. They're relying on quotes, RFPs, Mm. uh, referrals from other companies to figure out what are they going to use for their own company. And those are very uncertain and very ineffective methods. You know, think about it. The things you get out of that is just simply what things cost Mm -hmm. um, and uh, unprofessional opinions uh, on maybe customer service, right? From Google reviews, right? Or passionate reviews, right? And so, uh, to be successful, you really have to evaluate the maturity of an organization and you really need specialties a specialist like Connective Tech to help evaluate the the organization. That's why we decided a long time ago that our services are going to be complementary um, because we want to be long-term partners with you. Um, this is not going to be a fee for service, um, whether or not you choose one of our vendors or not. No, I want to only make, we want to do a really good job to assess organizations have the top two to 5% on our list and then match you with those companies. And it doesn't have to be an expensive solution. It just have, they have to be great at what they do. That's all, you know? Right. 
Yeah, I mean, and I'm I'm glad that you brought that up because it just kind of hit me. Just from I wish I actually knew about connective tech, you know, way back because I've selected vendors and and you know obviously I've had some success and I've had some not so you know good outcomes. And one of it sometimes is the fact that sometimes you pick a vendor based on like you know what is their picture, the initial bake off that they're able to do well. And what happens is they didn't, they may not have the infrastructure, meaning like they may have a one or two stars. But they don't have the the infrastructure, the capacity, right? And I guess this is where the whole maturity thing comes in. Um, and the, I imagine this is where you know connecting with someone like Connected Tech can really, really help uh, yeah. because it's not just about looking at Google reviews or Gardner research or any of those other things, but you know, just being able to work with somebody who, especially if it's complimentary. Yeah, it's a win-win for everybody, or at least that's what we're trying to create. You know, right? I mean, so, but connective tech, I mean, uh, like I said, I didn't know about connective tech. Uh, so maybe hopefully, uh, you know, from here on out, connective tech will become a household name and, you know, more yeah. and more uh, companies can leverage what you do. Knock um, on wood. Because it can be a very kind of lonely kind of kind of endeavor because you can do all the due diligence that you want, but it's also kind of can be very, very difficult to really kind of see on the other side of the hill. Right. Well, it's so interesting. So when a business owner goes through this process of selecting a vendor or a software, you know, even if they have the time, which rarely they do to, to dedicate to this, it's sometimes they don't have the know-how um, to figure out what's the difference between one another um, or the patience uh, to do because they, you know, they want to get out there and sell or they're good at operations or, you know, that there's just not enough time. There's a lot of uncertainty with this. Um, they have a guy and they trust this guy completely. And so they want to emulate everything there. They have a quick conversation and they, there's some personality matches and they, they use them and it's really not the right fit. Right. So that's where people, fail. And so, you know, we're trying to avoid that situation for all companies. What are some red flags that businesses should look out for when you're choosing technology vendors? Yeah, great question. So some flags you should look out for is that they don't know their own limitations. They say yes to everything that they can do. Um, I trust a company more when they tell me, no, this is not a right fit for me than a company that says, yes, we're agnostic towards everything, right? Um, other things, um, when vetting an organization, um, really the best way to vet them is actually meeting the employees who are going to be actually executing on whatever technology it is. Um, cause that's what really tells it. Technology is only as good as the people behind it. And so this really tells you, weeds out what the salesperson is, is trying to tell you and evaluates what are they good at. Um, they don't necessarily need me to be the best people, uh, like, like uh, a people person, I should say, but they do have to know what they're doing very well. Um, also, um, I, I'm a believer of trying to find like-minded people. So that means ethical people, people who are not going to cut corners, do the right thing. Um, technology is an art not an exact science. And so there's a million ways to solve tech problems. Um, we're just trying to figure out the best avenue for the businesses that we're helping. So those are just some of many factors when you know looking for red flags. Um, that tells you a lot. Um, uh, the, the rocks roll downhill, uh, you know, so if the person at the top is not a great person, not an ethical person, well, likely is that it's not organized. 
likely is the rest of the company is going to be like that too. Um, and so these are just some of many of the red flags we try to look for in an organization, but it certainly uh, helps the normal business owner um, not have to worry so much about the technology when trying to look for partnerships and trying to look at the whole organization. So keep in mind, it's not just about the technology. It's about the people behind it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a good point. So one of the things, I mean, in terms of keeping up to date with you know, the latest trends in technology, um, it can also be overwhelming, right? Because you know, yeah. business owners, they have to you know, do their business and they don't have necessarily the time or the know-how to uh, keep up with, with changes. The other thing is it can be overwhelming, like Salesforce. So, you know, how, you know, it's like now everybody may be talking about Salesforce, but, you know, you may not be. One of the things that, you know, we find is that a lot of times, a lot of times you can get so caught up by the hype uh, that you forget that it's not everything is, it depends on the stage of the business that you're in, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, so um, I, I guess, you know, I'm thinking that all that maybe, you know, comes back to maybe that's why it's a good idea to keep in touch, to keep in touch with like connective tech, who do the keeping up with the technology, um, you know, updates and changes for you. Um, but so, I mean, how does, how are you able to serve, you know, all of these, you know, because obviously, hopefully as a result of this conversation, more and more, uh, you know, companies and businesses and organizations are going to learn about what you do. Um, number one is how are you able to keep, you know, keep tabs on all the latest technology and trends for all these different industries so you can help, you can be trusted advisors to uh, business owners that may need your help. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, and, and, and you're right. There's too much technology out there for one person to actually be an expert everywhere. So, so the, the quick answer to that is to surround yourself with all the experts that are keeping up with the technology in their certain area. And there's a lot of technology out there, right? So that's certainly one way. Um, and I, I, I will say also, um, that it's good to an extent to keep an eye on like articles and, you know, news reports, but there's a lot of, uh, you have to take that with a grain of salt because there's a lot of opinions in that and very one-sided and you have to kind of read who the author is and where the source is coming from. But for the people actually in there rolling up their sleeves and doing it, those are the, those are the people that are actually going to have the most up-to-date technologies out there. And so that's what we, we actually look for. Um, we get to compare these technologies side by side every time we approve a vendor and every Every week, we're talking to these vendors, um, and just and, and and while we are very close to a one-stop shop, we're still not a one-shop. I don't think we'll ever be a one-stop shop just because there's too much technology out there mm -hmm. to be one, right? Um, so, you know, I, I think just keep surrounding yourself by the right people, um, and that's the quickest and best way to do it. And then uh, keep gathering information and always be in the learning mentality um, because right when you think you found the best way, there's always going to be a better one uh, to do it, right? And so yeah. that's uh, that's the best way to do it um, if you're not going to go to school and you, have the, you don't have the time to to go open a book or open your computer and research and things like that. Um, but that's a really great technique to actually start learning and keeping up with technology i have a two-part question one is um like the there's always a the balancing act between a one-stop shop and the best of breed you know so i guess i'll start i'll, I'll start with that and then i, I have a, a second one talking about 
uh, established, you know, going with an established you know, company or technology versus who may, who may or may not be the best fit. We're just going to talk about that about how, for instance, Salesforce may not be, you know, a company that's making a million dollars a year may not be ready for like a Salesforce. So, um, so there's that, that aspect of, okay, so the deciding between the best of breed one stop uh, versus one stop shop where, you know, the whole vendor lock in business. And then and the, the second you know, question is, um, uh, the second question then is, you know, um, you know, an established, well-known technology versus an up-and-coming emerging technology that may be a better fit, but may not be as mature yet. So uh, I don't know which one you want to take first. But So just so I understand, the first question is, how do you decipher technology that's one-stop shop versus just best in class? No, well, I mean, the whole thing is, it's about um, when you're choosing, right? When, you, mm. when you've recommended for, because for, you know, a lot of times, some companies are like, no, I want to just want to deal with one one vendor. Okay. Mm-hmm. So for instance, IBM. I want to deal with IBM because you know they they have the whole stack, right? Versus a company that says, No, I want the best of breed. I want the best database technology company. I want the best you know, cloud company. I want the best cybersecurity company, right? Um, so where do you fall on that? Yeah, it's a good question. So let's take uh, the Microsoft Office, for example. Uh, right. a lot of businesses are just like everything Microsoft. Um, and then you see some businesses, well, I'm going to do Microsoft emails, then I'm going to use the the G Suite for the, my cloud storage and uh, things like that and use all the Excel sheets and the G Suite. So um, uh, a lot of it has to do with and come back to who's using the technology in your company. Uh, user adoption is maybe one of the biggest factors. Um, and so if you uh, I don't know, are in a graphic design business, um, you're going to lean towards Apple products, most likely, right? Even though there's lots of non-Apple products that can do it, right? But most commonly, businesses are going to lean towards or should be leaning towards, all right, it's one thing to identify the top brand out there for your company. It's another thing to say, all right, What's going to be, um, uh, what are my employees in my company is going to be the easiest to use and will still fit my company? So user adoption is maybe the commonality between those two answers and a big factor in that. And maybe one of the reasons things change, uh, and, 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 um, I'm sorry things fail um, is because, you know, while you've implemented correctly, nobody uses it properly uh, in in your company, right? And so you have to factor in user adoption. And so I think that would that would be a huge factor, whether you kind of all in one or best in pieces. Uh, sure, there's ease of billing, but uh, what's going to be the best for your company? And it really has to come back down to user adoption. Okay. So that's, so in other words, so you know, you can't just be like, okay, um, you know, best of breed work for this company, therefore we should adapt it. You can't just blindly copy what's work for another company. You have to look at your own internal right. Uh, yeah. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. Are you are are they low tech? Are they high tech? Uh, your employees. These are all should be factors um, into what you do, and and maybe. If you're like, oh, I, I want to use the best out there, can do you need new employees for that? Um, mm-hmm. So there's there's they kind of go hand in hand. Technology should help uh, fuel your business for growth. 
it should not be a hinder. Um, and that's a great way to hinder your business with employees not using the technology. What excites you most about the future of connective tech? You know, I prior to connective tech, I uh, owned a couple different businesses in the tech world. Uh, and, and that's uh, one of the reasons tech, the connective tech was born. But I, if I had the resources then, like I do now, um, those businesses would be twice as big um, because I'm surrounding myself with the right people. And so meaningful introductions um, is in my network, uh, for my clients, for my tech companies. Um, if we can all work together, I'm a big believer if you're not partnering, you're dying, right? Um, and so we really need each other in this world to do it. You cannot operate a business without paying another organization for something, a phone, uh, an email, right? Um, and so we really need each other these days in order to figure out how to grow. And so Connective Tech, that's all it is. It's a collaboration company. Um, it's how can we help each other grow and, and, and foster a, a good environment for for business um you know these days there's just there's just too much out there and everybody's got a little different spin on what they're doing and so i think my passion behind connective tech besides the technology is the people um i'm really i i have a really a, a great passion for helping business owners get to the next level through the use of technology is it the only way no, but it sure is going to be a factor at some point in any business. And I kind of view every business as a technology business. I don't care if you're a baker or you're a pharmaceutical company. Um, you're going to be utilizing technology. And if you utilize it correctly um, with the correct people, then you're going to have a lot of success in this world. So it's the people, um, it's the technology, it's the business. Those really give me the most passion behind how what motivates me as as an individual and the kind of foundation of connective tech that is awesome yeah great great work uh, how can people get in contact with you if they want to learn more about connective tech and you know what you do and how they can maybe leverage your services yeah thank you for asking um so connectivetech.com is the website um 100 right there um uh they my email uh greg kh at connectivetech.com and that's connective tech without an e at the end of connective uh right. so it's c-o-n-n-e-c-t-i-v-t-e-c-h.com i'm also on linkedin so feel free to reach out awesome and we're going to have all that information as part of the show notes as well so in case people don't have a pen and paper handy uh, they can check it out later on. Right, thank you so much for joining us, Greg, and uh, really appreciate it. And uh, for everyone, uh, you know, just make sure to check out Connected Tech and see uh, if what you're doing can be beneficial to your enterprise. So next week, bye for now.